Cheers Cast is part of the Fire and Water Network. I know you're surprised to see me. But let me tell you, it's taken every ounce of courage I have to show my face in here today. Oh, come on. We get a lot of funny looking faces in here. You don't remember me, do you? Uh, I'm Professor Sumner Sloan. I came in uh, several months ago with Diane Chambers. And to my shame, I deserted her here to go back to my ex-wife. What can I get for you? <laughs> Have a glass of white wine. White wine. Over dinner last night, a mutual friend of ours informed me that Diane works here. Is that correct? Gee, I don't know. I wasn't at the dinner. <laughs> Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. Everybody knows your name Welcome back to Cheers Cast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm your host, Ryan Daly, and returning to the show once again, a co-host of the SNL Nerds podcast, Mr. John Trumbull. How are you doing, man? I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me back, Ryan. It's great to be back for a second season. Thank you very much for coming back. We, we love the returning guests, which is appropriate for this episode. A uh, really good one. Uh, and we're, since you've been on the show before, we're just going to dive right into this. We are discussing Season 2, Episode 5, titled Sumner's Return. Uh, the episode was written by Michael J. Whitehorn, I think, or Waythorn? Uh, yeah, I think it's Waythorn or Whitehorn. I'm yeah. not sure which, but... Directed by James Burroughs, the original air date was Thursday, November 3rd, 1983. Diane's former grad school professor and fiancé, Sumner Sloan, returns a year after dumping her at Cheers in the first episode. He tells Diane he is still married, but hopes they can rekindle their friendship over dinner with Barbara. He asks Diane if she's currently seeing anyone that she would like to bring to dinner, and in a moment of shame, Diane says no. When Sam finds out that she lied, he accurately guesses that Diane was afraid he would embarrass her in front of her old professor, and that she is every bit the snob that Sumner is. Diane apologizes and admits the truth, inviting Sam to the dinner. However, once he is on the hook with, as Carla puts it, dinner with three Dianes, Sam worries that his ignorance will show and he will embarrass himself and Diane. Cliff convinces him that the simplest thing is to read the greatest literary work of all time, War and Peace, before the dinner, which Sam accomplishes by staying up all night reading for five days and nights. On the night of the dinner, Barbara is a no-show, and Sumner and Diane hit it off like the couple they used to be. Realizing he can't compete with their brains, Sam encourages Diane to leave him for Sumner and storms off, but not before accurately guessing that winning Diane's heart back was Sumner's game all along. Sumner admits the truth, but sees no reason why it should stop their romance. 
but Diane chooses Sam, who demonstrated a deeper commitment by reading War and Peace just for her. And that is Sumner's return. And uh, I mentioned this to John just before we started. This is going to be a tough episode to discuss without just quoting every single line of dialogue. This is one of them that is so tightly written. And um, I actually wanted to get into the writing of this because... I hadn't really, I hadn't heard of Michael Waithorn. At least I didn't think I had. Um, he actually worked yeah. on Family Ties for several years. Oh, okay. Um, and actually, according to his Wikipedia entry, he basically had the option of working on the Late Show with David Letterman, and instead went to Family Ties, just as that show was taking off. Um, Wouldn't it be Late Night with David Letterman since it was the eighties? Yes. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. It was, yeah. It was yeah. <laughs> whatever it was in nineteen eighty four or whatever, oh. like a year after this one. Um, because on IMDb, this is just his third credit. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, I, I, I don't want. I mean, this is a really, really well written script. This is really tight, and I don't want to disrespect yeah. him as a writer for doing it. But if I hadn't seen the credits, I would have assumed this was a Charles Brothers script. Me I mean, too. The I, dialogue I, I, for for Sumner and Diane and everything feels so much like the pilot episode that yeah. my speculation based on nothing and again I don't want to disrespect the writer if this was if these are his words but I almost wonder if like this was really early in his career if basically he did a draft and the Charles brothers like rewrote like basically script doctored this on the set mm. when they were working with it and just left his name on it uh, that seems like the type of thing that would produce this quality of script but I don't know yeah. that for sure I could just be you know that could be nothing uh, that seems like a, a likely possibility. I mean, because I, when I checked the credits, I was very surprised to find out that it wasn't the Charles Brothers because it really seemed to have their touch to it. And it's it's a really solid episode. It's really a tightly constructed plot. It sets everything up beautifully. They're really great jokes. They service all the characters well. So, yeah, I mean, maybe it's either Michael Whitehorn had a really great feel for the show or maybe he didn't have as great of a feel for the show like some freelancers do, and and he was substantially rewritten. Who knows? I don't. Who knows if even any of the participants remember at this point? Right, right. And my only reason for thinking possibly the latter is this is the only script he worked on for Cheers. Like, okay. like this, I was this ask was just a total. Ever came no, according to IMDb, and I don't remember his name on any other like episodes that I've ever like paid attention to that sort of thing. Like this is his uh-huh. only his only Cheers script, so that okay. would lend me to think. I mean, if this was really early in his career, but I, I, again, I I don't know. I don't know. It could be anything. Yeah, but, um, if it was something that they had to do a, a lot of work on, they would not be inclined to bring that writer back. Sure, but um, yeah. this is all just speculation. Maybe he did a wonderful job, and maybe every single word is his. Right, right, absolutely. And I, again, I don't want to diminish. I mean, he he had a career after this. He worked on Family Ties for four years, I think, or something like that. So. Yeah. Um, well, that's not fun. Yeah, and, and, not, and not just as, like, a, a writer, but, like, like, maybe the showrunner or, like, a producer on that show for a while, so. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I, I guess, so going back, every part of this episode, like, right from the beginning, the teaser opens with Sumner walking in. And basically, of course, he's confronted with Coach, and Coach doesn't remember. But he's like, he's like, I, I he's like, I know it's it's rough. You know, you I can't imagine you you want you don't want to see me. He's like, oh, we get lots of funny people here, and like this whole right. running gag about his Sumner of Coach thinking that Sumner is upset with his looks, his physical appearance, which comes yeah. back. But. Yeah, I, I mean, I love the, Sumner says, "Oh, I heard at this dinner party, Diane was working here. Now, is that true?" And Coach says, "I don't know. I wasn't at that dinner." I mean, and, it, and <laughs> 
And Nick Colasanto, he always plays coaches stupidity or ignorance with just such sincerity mm-hmm. it's you just can't help but love the guy it's it's great yeah it's it's not even like it's not even like a moment where he like means to be showing his ignorance or anything like that it's just a legit thing it's like i wasn't there i couldn't give you a solid answer on that i'm sorry like i would, I would love right. to be able to confirm that information but he's like yeah, missing, yeah. missing the part of it it's great, and so then Sam and Diane come in in a running gunfight with their water pistols, which is like a cute little yeah. moment, and they're shooting at each other. To which you know Norman Cliff are like, "Yeah, I kind of miss the days when they just threw up at the sight of each other." Yes, <laughs> yeah. I love that you immediately see that Sam and Diane they're still in the honeymoon phase of their relationship, mm-hmm. but later on when Diane lies or, or doesn't tell Sumner about the fact that she's seeing Sam, and then they have a big fight, you still see the. Uh, the problems that they have as a couple mm-hmm. and, you know, not to jump ahead of the timeline too much. You see why they don't work as a couple. Right. So, right. Yeah. I mean, this, um, this calls it right into question is like Sam and Sumner could not be more different from each other, like intellectually mm-hmm. and just kind of like just culturally. And it's, he, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll I actually, I'm, I'm going to break format from the way that I usually, because I want to address my favorite aspect of this episode. Um, what I okay. usually say for the very end would be my home run. And I'm doing it this way because it's not particularly a joke line. It's not a comedic bit. It's not even really a dramatic bit. It's just an interesting bit of characterization. I love it that not once but twice, Sam, despite like this whole episode being about how he can't, he can't hold his own. He can't stand toe to toe with these intellectual giants. Uh, like compared to him, mm-hmm. he has their number twice. Yeah, and the fact that he's yeah. able, like it's really apparently like, at the end of it when he calls Sumner on it when he's he's like, look, you know, we're a joke, da- Diane. He's like, we don't belong together, and he says like, you know, you and Sumner are a joke too, but at least you're the same joke. And he's storming off, and they're trying to like calm back. He's like, no, no. He's like, look. This whole thing with Barbara not showing up, this is all baloney. She was never here. This was all his setup to get you back. Well, you won. And he storms off, and and Diane wants to apologize. And my favorite bit is when Sumner just kind of very matter-of-factly just says, no, he's actually more perceptive than I gave him credit for. And that Mm -hmm. that the the villain of the piece ostensibly can show that much respect to his enemy. I just love that moment because it shows that, yeah, I mean, Sam is an idiot, but he's not that dumb. Or, you know, vice versa, however you want to phrase it. Because he's a great judge of character that we see throughout. And he knows this, and he sees it with Diane earlier when he's like, you didn't want to admit that you were dating me because because you're ashamed of me. You thought I would embarrass me. You're as much of a snob as, as he is. And she's like, yeah, mm-hmm. so, yeah. I, I just, I love those moments in this episode. Yeah, this is this is still kind of the Sam of season one here, mm-hmm. where he's doesn't have the book smarts of Diane, but he's got he's he's not an unintelligent person. He's got street smarts. He's shrewd. I mean, he he's smart enough to run a business, right? And he calls Sumner on his BS, and that's great. And I I really enjoy that um, because he's more of a. Uh, uh, he's more of an even match for Diane, and he's more of a match for Sumner. And uh, another thing that struck me when I was watching this episode was uh, that Sumner is almost like a proto Fraser in that he's mm. he's snobby and he's a rival for Diane's affections, but he's like Fraser without the warmth. He's he's <laughs> Fraser with no money, and you know he like Sumner could never hang with the guys the way Fraser does later in the series. Right, right. Uh, We'll see in about a year's time, I guess. But uh, 
but it but it's interesting that I, I guess the Charles Brothers really liked writing that character type or realized that that was a good contrast to Sam and Diane. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, because I mean, they they do it so well with Frasier and then bringing in Lilith, another like you know kind of haughty yeah. intellectual. Um, and I was even like, while I was watching it, I was even thinking about some of the episodes like in season eight when Sam his rivalry with Robin Colcord. Um, who again? Yeah. I mean, different. Not not the same type of like the not the same type of rivalry because it's not so much the academic, but certainly the culture, the status difference, and everything. And, class. and yeah, yeah, like when yeah. they had their whole little like rivalry day, and and when Robin says something like, you know, these the games of chance are the only things you're kind of adroit at. And he's like, hey, don't call me adroit. <laughs> so. Yes, yeah, that's a, that's a great line, and. Uh, and I love that they brought Sumner back, too, because, I mean, the character in the pilot, he's basically just a device to get Diane in the bar and to give her, her a reason to be there. But I love that they they brought him back and they and they continue the relationship and they show like how he's changed since that time, too. And it also shows how Diane has changed after a year at Cheers. She says to Sumner at one point, well, let's cut the crap. And he, he's like, what has this place done to you? Yeah, yeah. And, and there's there's a line early on after Norman Cliff, they come back from this baseball game and they talk about how Norm had his shirt off and people <laughs> were complaining because the sun was reflecting off his skin and blinding the players. And uh, Norm says, I can't help it if I have alabaster skin. <laughs> and I'm like, well, Diane's rubbing off on the Cheers gang, too, because go, yeah. Norm probably wouldn't have phrased it that way. A year before, right, right, so, yeah, that's a good. Point. Okay, so, I, so I love. Sorry, I just I wanted to jump on it because that moment when they come back from the game, Cliffy. For one thing, it's a, it's a one of the rare occasions when Cliff isn't in his postal carrier uniform. But he said, like, right after that moment, he has this weird line where he says, "It's okay, Norm. Baseball should be played at night anyway." Uh-huh. I just thought that was a really weird kind of position to take. Like, baseball being like one of the oldest sports in the country, like it's like. It was always the daytime sport because stadiums didn't have lights and they didn't have televisions all the, all over the place. Like it was always sort of a daytime sport, so it was just kind of a weird position to take that way. I I don't know if Cliff sincerely thinks that or if he's just trying to be a supportive friend. That would probably uh, make more sense if he was just yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's he's just like, well, if baseball was played at night, we wouldn't be out there during the day, and you wouldn't have that problem to begin with. So right, right. Yeah, getting back when when Sam and Diane first come back and everybody and they're like, yeah, there's somebody there's somebody waiting for you in the men's room, Diane or something. She goes back and Sumner walks out and they kind of like bump into each other and Diane just lets out this little ah and again. Yeah, and, and again, coaches response like, Diane, please, he's very sensitive about his looks. So. Yeah, I mean that, that's a great callback. Uh, you know, that's that's great. I love that Diane immediately like calls him on his BS where he, she's like. You said you'd be right back. That was a year ago. And obviously that did some damage. I mean, how could it not? Um, but she she still falls for Sumner's line much more than, than Sam does about uh, Barbara being sick and, and all that. So, yeah, Diane maybe still wants to believe that Sumner can be a part of her life somehow. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't take a whole lot of convincing. He definitely, he's, it's like under my, th- like under his thumb or something like that when he gets her back in the office. It doesn't take a whole lot of provoking to kind of get her to say, sure, I'll go to dinner with you and your wife, even though that's totally awkward and probably really inappropriate. But sure, I'll right. do it because he he's able to convince her. And when he asks her if you're seeing anybody and she turns away from him, she doesn't even want to look at him in the face when she says no. Um, mm-hmm. 
and again, like the way Sam is able to call her on it. Sam knows mm-hmm. exactly what's going on, and he's he's even surprised by her when she says, "You're right." Like when, yes, when, he's actually startled. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, I, he's like, I am. He's like, I don't usually win fights with Diane. What? And this is like one of those rare instances where they're having a disagreement and. Like, it's really just Diane has screwed up and Sam is 100 percent right in this situation. He's like, you should have had enough pride in seeing me that you were comfortable telling Sumner about that. And that was a rotten thing to do. Yeah, and it's, it's funny because because of how much of this show is on Diane's side and we're we're really with her POV yeah. for so much of the series in the beginning, the first two seasons at yeah. least, that in that moment when he comes back, when when. Sam realizes that she lied, like because at first she's like, "Look, he just wants to take me out to dinner. It's no big deal. I didn't think it was important enough to mention it to you. It wasn't that big of a lie." And then when he's at Sumner, kind of lets it slip that she told him that he wasn't, uh, she wasn't dating anybody. And Diane or Sam just looks at her and she's like, "This one is harder to explain." It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. because you, you can't get away from this. You lied. It's all on you. But I, I love that Shelley Long still has enough charm that she plays that moment mm-hmm. so well that you don't you don't hate Diane in that moment. You know, right. I, I used to find Diane a lot more annoying than I do when I watch the show now. Now I can I can see her point of view and I can really see how much great work Shelley Long is doing in making the character still sympathetic when she could so easily be grating. And uh, and actually, I I got to give a shout out to uh, Michael McGuire, the guy who plays Sumner, too, because he makes that character very charming in yes. his snotty, conceited way. Um, I love he has a moment at the end where he's like, now, Diane, I'm not perfect. But then again, I might be. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, love, I love that line. <laughs> yeah, it's a great line. And he plays it beautifully. I mean, it just everybody is just killing it in this episode. They're they're just bringing their A game. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah, McGuire, and he comes back one more time for an important, <laughs> important beat yeah. at the end of season five. He only makes three appearances, but each one is gold. He is like so close to like the MVP of every episode that he is in, and it's it's really, it, yeah. I mean that that mm-hmm. is a character that I wish we could have seen more of, but I'm also like, it, yeah. w- would it have ruined his appearances if he came back more often or something like that? But it's. Yeah, no, yeah, I love that moment where he's like, I may not be perfect. Then again, I may. Um, but also, yeah. the moment when he's, uh, when she comes out and he he tells Diane that, you know, Barbara couldn't make it, so we'll just be us. And she's like, well, why don't we just cancel it? He's like, nonsense, I won't hear of it. He's like, we'll be poorer for her absence, but richer when the check comes. And then he <laughs>, laughs at his own joke. He's like, ha, ha, ha. Yes. Like, yes. It's, it did, that, that is the thing that reminds me of something that Frasier would do, too. But uh, it's also like, oh, God, that should be, like, such an obnoxious, like, thing to do. But it's kind of like, oh, I like this guy <laughs> for being the, the villain that you don't want to like. It's just, yeah, it's something about his performance. He makes it – he's he's a villain that you at least want to watch more of. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's, he's so unabashedly himself mm-hmm. uh, and so unapologetic about who and what he is right. that – you can't help but enjoy him for that. Right. I, I really l- love seeing him. And it actually, appearance-wise, he reminds me a little bit of uh, Jeremy Brett, who played Sherlock Holmes in the 80s and the 90s. He does have that uh, profile, yeah. Yeah, he, he it's a very Holmesian profile, and I'm just like, wow, he he could have been a good Sherlock Holmes himself. Yeah, at yeah. Some, so. A few little other bits. Uh, certainly, once we get into the second act, Sam stays up all night uh, with the uh, reading War and Peace Based on Cliffy's recommendation, uh, Norman, mm-hmm. Norman Cliff actually go into the back office, and Norm has the line that it's yeah. his first time ever being back there, which 
in later seasons, when you think about how long Norm has actually been visiting the bar, that seems yeah. a little bit hard to believe that he would yeah, never be back there. But, you know. Norm, in a later episode, he says, like, he's been sitting at his bar stool since the Ford administration. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. that puts him there for probably 10 years, if not more. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's still early days of the series, so. Yeah. I like that sort of Sam is kind of so exhausted physically and mentally that like he, he can't he can't keep up and like he he spent this whole time reading this book just to impress them and you find out that it's the last thing that Sumner wants to talk about because he's done a lecture over analyzing War and Peace to death so it's like nah that's yeah. not that's not going to be a subject and and Sam is just like so defeated he can't even get out the door and, and Carla has to throw a drink in his face to kind of like snap him out of it but hey, I love Ted Danson is so damn good in this episode and I, I love that they had that turn before they even go off to dinner like yes. most others they would do that like they would cut to them in the restaurant and them in the middle of dinner and sam trying to bring up war and peace mm-hmm. no like they just they have that before they even leave the bar <laughs> and sam goes oh i can't talk about the one thing i've spent five days trying to prepare to talk about <laughs> and now i'm at this dinner where i have nothing to say right you just know before he leaves how awful this is gonna be it's <laughs> And yeah. he's he's just so physically spent, he's just mentally defeated, and he's just got nothing left. And it's, oh, it's so great. <laughs> and I love it when they're back at the bar after the dinner when, you know, he's served them their drinks and he sits down and he, they're having their mm-hmm. own conversation. He's trying to insert himself, trying to get them to acknowledge him in some way just to sort of right. like give him a little bit of dignity. And they're like, we asked for your opinion, but none was forthcoming. And he's like, well, maybe that's just because I didn't have one. What do you think about that? And then after that, he's like, or maybe I had one, and I didn't want to share it with you. What do you think? And he, Ted Danson does this little thing where he looks back to the to the table behind yes. him and does this little yeah. thing. like He's almost like wanting to get their attention. Like, hey, did you hear that line? I zinged him really good, didn't yeah. I? Yeah. And they're not even paying attention, but it's just like the song. He, he's, I, think he, I think Sam is just so groggy, he thinks he's turning back. <laughs> Coach and Norm and Cliff, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he just he just turns in whatever direction it is, and so he's just he's just going, huh? Yeah, to like a bunch of extras. It's yeah. great. It's such a, and I don't and know if that was like, the script or if that was Ted Danson's call, but that was such a beautiful bit of blocking right there. Yeah, that, that little moment. Yeah. <laughs> It's just a great grace note. There was there was something I didn't notice until my the, the second time I watched the episode for in preparation for this podcast was uh, when Sam and Diane they come in with squirt guns and they have that great bit where <laughs> Diane like slays Sam and he collapses on the floor and she brings him back to life with a kiss. Uh, later when they're they're talking they they go over to the bar and then Coach says something and you see Ted Danson he he gives Coach a little playful squirt with a squirt gun after Coach <laughs> yes, says something. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's that's a nice thing. That's something that I'm sure wasn't in the script, but that was just something that was added in the rehearsals of the performance. And yeah, yeah. you know, that's great. It makes it it makes them feel like real people, real friends. They're they're giving each other grief and all that. So right, right. it's great. Yeah, the whole thing uh, eventually culminates like once Sam throws the truth right in their face, and they they both kind of like acknowledge it. He goes off. And Sumner basically like he's like you know for, you know, forget about him. You, isn't this obvious that you belong with me? And we don't see her response, which I thought was a really cool trick. You know, we don't mm-hmm. actually hear her, her response given to Sumner. She goes back into the office, 
And she tells him, yeah. to basically, you know, I, I gave him a choice. You know, I flipped a coin. Heads, I was going to walk back in here with you. Tails, I was going to run back in here to you. And yeah, and it's cool. So she she threw him out. And I, I just, I love the little, uh, you know, sympathetic moment at the end. He's like, why are you with me? She's like, because you read War and Peace. And he's like, so did he. And she says, you read it for me. I think it was mm-hmm. harder for you. you yeah, know? yeah. Giving him that that moment, you know, but like also like it's that's sweet that she's able to recognize that what he was willing to do for her and for their relationship to really break out of his comfort comfort zone. I mean, do you, do you think Sumner would have gone to the nosebleed section of a football game or something, you know, to, no. to win her heart? Probably not. No, no, absolutely not. And uh, yeah, that's it's just great, and I, I love how Shelley Long played that moment with sincerity. It, it really works as a characters and you are to some degree rooting for Sam and Diane as a couple. So it, it really works in that regard. And the, the call it a hunch that is added in at the end that gives you the laugh that you need. So it's, it's great. Yeah. I just can't say enough good things about this episode. It's, it's a really, really great one. Yeah. I mean, I, I recommend for anybody listening to this show, I hope that you're watching the show along with us. But, you know, if not, if you've just been listening along, definitely make the effort to seek out this episode. This is one of the best. Whenever I get to my ranking for season two episodes, this one will be pretty high. Um, just yeah. I, I like this episode. It's an important one for bringing Sumner back. It's, it's a nice, like, one of the first real challenges to their relationship that they overcome in the beginning. Um, but it's just, it's really funny, and it's really got some heartfelt moments. And I, I think it's a great... It's a great character piece for Sam, and and we really get to see some something special about him that we don't see all that often, or at least not this type of character spotlight for him. But um, yeah, and he goes to the effort of reading War and Peace, <laughs> stays up for five days straight, <laughs> yeah. and I cannot imagine how exhausting that would be. <laughs> well, the, commenting on the fact that when he's going on the date with her, like you know, he doesn't even he can't even shave. And he's like he's yeah. with Norman Cliff beforehand. He takes out the razor. He's like, any of you guys have like two double, you know, triple A batteries or something like that? And Norman reaches yeah. into his pocket. He's like, I've got one. <laughs> it's just, yeah. like, it's just like, a great random thing. It's yeah. like you you have no idea why Norm has that battery in his pocket, but right. I but love that Norm. But it's also complete, It's also completely useless because it doesn't help at all. <laughs> like, right. right. <laughs> All right, um, getting into some of the other categories that we've got for this one. Um, for Norm's tab, Norm had 15 beers in this episode. Yes! Um, I, only, a, only a handful, like only three or four of them are actually shown on screen. But right. when he actually goes back, it's like, what time is it? How many beers have I had? 11. He's like, oh, it's 8.30 or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I When they got to that line, I thought of you, and I thought you of you tabulating Norm's tab. So what is the grand total up to now? So... As of this episode, he is at 132 for the series. So, yeah, this was a big one. This was double digits, and spoiler alert, the next episode that follows this is also a double-digit number. So wow. he's, he's, he's wow. racking them up there pretty quick. Um, for the employee of the week, uh, who is this episode's MVP? I, gosh, this was... This was tough for me. Um, I, I mm-hmm. do want to give a shout-out to Coach just because every line he delivered in this episode was magnifique. Uh, it was just, Coach was killed in yeah. this episode, yeah. Um, but it, it's it's between Sumner and Sam. Sumner is definitely the more glamorous like uh, you know, guest-starring appearance in this one. He's so good at being who he is. 
But I just I, I mm-hmm. love the moments with Sam. The fact that he's he calls both of them, Sam, Sumner and Diane, at two different times on their snobbishness and, and their skin, and he's able to see through their their BS. And and he's he's right, and he's mm-hmm. smarter than them, or at least as Sumner puts it, more perceptive than they assumed. So I think yeah. I'm gonna I think I'm gonna give it to Sam. What about you? Uh, yeah, I got to give it to Sam for this episode just for. All the amazing physical comedy that Ted Danson does in this episode, yep. and, and and I think it's also absolutely Sam's episode from a story point of view too. Uh, it's it's more about him than anybody, but all the physicality that Ted Danson put in, like the falling down from the squirt gun, the uh, putting on his shoes as he's coming out of the office and he's too exhausted to realize he doesn't have them on. <laughs> Uh, how exhausted he is in those last scenes of the show. Like bo- Ted Danson's body language is so loose, and he really reads as an exhausted person. Uh, that moment of looking back to laugh at the act- extras that we mentioned before. And then at the end, the final kicker, when Diane says, oh, we'll just see the movie of War and Peace. <laughs> and, and Sam goes, there's a movie? And he, he grits his teeth and he's saying this through grit, gritted teeth. And then he, he gets up and grabs a golf club to go beat <laughs> Norman Cliff for not telling him there was a movie. Yes. Just that is, is all just first rate. I mean, uh, and there's like another moment where, where Sam like gets up and he, he hops up on the bar and, and brings himself yeah. over. Like Ted had such... He had this dancer's grace to him, which yes, is he did. just wonderful. I really appreciated that in this episode. So, yeah, absolutely Ted Danson's episode. Yeah, I, I, you put it absolutely right because I, I didn't even think about it that it's it's really Sam's episode because you would think by the way it starts off that it's going to be a Diane episode because it's, you know, someone right. coming back into her life. But really it's about how Sam identifies this potential threat and everything and how he is responding to it. Um, so yeah, you're totally right. And there's another moment. It's, it's when it's in that final scene, it's when he's back in the office before she comes in, you know, in his head, he's probably mm-hmm. thinking, you know, she's done. She's leaving with him. I'll never see her again. Or at least this is the end of our relationship or something like that. And what is he doing? He's right. holding the book to his chest. He's almost like cradling it or mm-hmm. something like that. Like for comfort, like mm-hmm. this was an important thing, like an important artifact or something of this. And it's, it's just a really, I wouldn't, I wonder if that was an, an actor's decision or the, the director's, I would just, I'd be curious about that. But yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah. even though. And, and I, also yeah. the fact that Sam actually finishes war and peace. That's amazing. <laughs> yes. Um, that's, I mean, when, when we just, we don't see him gradually getting through the book, we cut to, him five days later and he's reading the book and he's just a few pages from the end. And then when he comes out of the office later, he says, Hey, I finished it. That's an incredible accomplishment. (laughs) And by the way, how many sitcoms today would do a joke about war and peace and, and just like the length of it and have that be expected to be common knowledge. I mean, that's, I love how, how cheers would occasionally get highbrow and literate like that. Yeah. Uh, like the John Dunn joke in the pilot. Yeah. They, I, they, I love they did that a lot. They, that. Yeah. They, they do that all the time. They, they really expected a lot of their audience or they were using it as an opportunity to educate their audience, but they made so many more jokes about literature and plays and works of art and classical music than they ever made about popular television or culture, like pop culture type of things Ooh. like that. It, yeah. It wasn't. And again, I think that's part of what makes the show feel timeless. And and as you were just saying about the the length of the book and everything, that leads me to 
uh, for for the home run section now, I kind of mentioned that my favorite aspect of this episode is definitely when Sumner says, no, he's more perceptive than I give him credit for. But very shortly after that is the whole thing when Cliff first pitches, basically read War and Peace, and he'll be able to talk yep. about that. Because he has this whole thing, he's like, you know, this is the greatest, he's a literature professor, War and Peace is the greatest work of literature in Western canon or something it's like you read this between now and mm-hmm. he's like and and same as like okay so this is a good book and and cliffy says well yeah they say the first 800 pages are a little dry but after that it, it blasts right off or it gets exciting and i i love that because uh sam goes you know like how how long is this book and and cliff like well i've delivered a couple of them for the book clubs and it's about three and a half pounds paperback this mm-hmm. leads to a line, and I don't know why this line has stuck with like me for all of these years, but we quote this line in my family. Like my my dad <laughs> and I we used to say this line all the time. It is Coach's line. When when Norm's or when Cliff says the book was weighs three and a half pounds, Coach says, Forget it, Sam, no one can read four ounces a night. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. That mental calculation. We're like, what? So, anytime something seems impossible or something is just like be, like beyond like comprehension or whatever, you know, my dad or I will we'll say something like that. Forget it. Nobody can read four ounces a night. Like, what? <laughs> what are you talking? About? Like, how are you measuring that? That's. I mean, and it's such a wonderfully coach line too, because I mean, coach he usually misses the point, but also coach has the type of mind that he instantly calculates how many ounces it is a night. Right. And that was my my line of the episode too. That was, was that was yeah. my uh, because that and that was it. It's not a line that stuck with me for thirty years. But it's a line I'd forgotten about. But my first rewatch of this episode. That line made me laugh out loud. Oh, nice. Uh, it was just so unexpected. So I was like, well, that's got to be it. I mean, that's that's the one that surprised me and made me laugh the most. So that's my line. That's, that's a nice validation. <laughs> good. I'm glad. Yes. So, <laughs> so you, you were correct. <laughs> good, good. All right. Well, um, listeners, obviously you can tell from our voices that this is just a really enjoyable episode. Go check it out. John, thank you for coming back once again. And uh, you'll be back in a couple of weeks. So that, that'll be exciting too. But until then, let everybody know where else they can find you in the podcastosphere or what other projects you want to plug. Well, I've got a, uh, a, a podcast of my own uh, that I do with my friend Darren Patterson called The SNL Nerds, where uh, during the regular TV season, we go through episodes of Saturday Night Live uh, as they air and we talk about them sketch by sketch. Uh, for this summer, we've been going through movies spun off from uh, Saturday Night Live. And we're just about through that episode. Our next episode is going to be about MacGruber, which I'm sure will be out by the time this uh, airs. And uh, then we're going to hit on a few other things. So we we have a lot of fun. We go, we talk about the show. We go on a lot of tangents, a lot of tangents, but uh, <laughs> but uh, check it out. It's uh, SNL Nerds. It's a lot of fun. It's on the uh, non-productive uh, podcast network, non-productive.com. Very, very cool. Thank you, John, for being on the show again. Listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in. Please, you know you can support the show on Facebook and Twitter. You can leave a comment on the website post at fireandwaterpodcast.com. Go ahead and go to iTunes and give us a nice, juicy five-star review if you don't mind. And until next time, we're closed. You know, you and I are a joke, Diane. You and Sumner are a joke, too, but at least you're the same joke. I may be stupid about a lot of things, but I do know some things, and I know when two people do not belong together, and you and I do not belong together. Sam, sit down. You're creating a stir. Hey, hey, come on, come on.
I know what's been going on all evening. I mean, this stuff about Barbara being sick is a bunch of baloney. You just set it up here to get your big fan back. Well, you got her. Way to go, guy. Sam? No, 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 it's okay. It's all right. I see it all very clearly now. I got you on the rebound. You were just uh, slumming with me between PhDs. Well, he's come for you. Go with him. Sam. I'll tell you something else, too. Before I read War and Peace again in five days, just to impress some broad, it's going to be a cold day in Minsk. <laughs> I have to apologize for Sam for that totally unfounded accusation. No, Diane, he's more perceptive than I gave him credit for. What are you saying? Now, I did come back to see if there might be one spark left of that brilliant fire that streaked across the sky like a meteor. <laughs> Barbara and I had a party of the ways several weeks ago. Well, Sam was right. Forget Sam. Isn't it obvious after tonight that you and I have something special? Diane, I may not be perfect. Then again, I may. <laughs> the point is, can you honestly say you belong more in his world than in mine? 